0: Welcome to Face Off. Today we'll be discussing Liverpool's recent 2-0 win over Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And as always, I've got two great guests to bring you through it. First of all, I'll introduce our Chelsea fan. We've got Alex Byrne. How are you doing, Alex?
2: Hey, Carl. How are you doing? Thank you for having me on tonight. I'm doing as well as I can for a guy who just saw his team lose 2-0 at home.
0: Understandable. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into the weeds of it all. Now, but before we get to the match, I do want to talk a little bit about Chelsea with you while I have you. Yep. Last season saw club legend Frank Lampard replace Maurizio Sarri. Chelsea were under a transfer ban for the season, which meant the new manager had to utilize youngsters like Tamori, Reese James, Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham. Club talisman Eden Hazard also was allowed to depart the club despite the ban. All of this inevitably resulted in lowered expectations for fans, although there was certainly an air of excitement about a young manager and some young players being given a chance to impress. A 7-1 aggregate crushing defeat to Bayern Munich in the last 16 of the Champions League was a harsh reminder that things will take time, but the club did manage a top-four finish and a run to the FA Cup final. How would you assess Lampard's first season in charge,
2: and do you feel he's the right man to take you forward? In terms of his first season, I think it was kind of the perfect storm when he took over because when he was became derby manager, I said, I'd love to see him as the Chelsea boss one day. I didn't think it would be so soon, but as Frank said himself, with Sari was sacked Chelsea, approach how How is he going to say no to his dream job? But I think in terms of the transfer ban and what Hazard leaving, it kind of created like the perfect storm in the sense that, as you touched on there, there were lowered expectations. So it was kind of, there wasn't as much pressure on him as there might've been kind of other managers. I think that considering it was his first season in the top flight and it was, you know, obviously a massive step up from Derby County in terms of, you know, the expectation. I think he did a remarkable job considering how he blooded through the youth and he kind of introduced kind of the fresh faces to the team. And in terms of the top four finish, I couldn't believe it. Like when the finish, when the season started, I was saying, I take a top six with the way things are going. I didn't expect anything at all. So I think he did an amazing job In his first season, I know one or two people claim that, you know, well, the team the season before finished third. But, you know, to me, that doesn't matter. As You said we lost our star player and it's the first season in the top flight. I think it's a remarkable job. And I absolutely do think he's the right man for the job. However, I do accept that this season there's a lot more pressure on him to do better.
0: Yeah, and, and and we will certainly get to that. I mean, you know, as I touched on, some some young players were finally given a chance, which is a rarity at Chelsea, a team that often seemed to look for the kind of the instant results and the the quick fixes. I mean, what what did you think of how those young players got
2: on? I thought they got on great. I'm a massive fan of two. that you mentioned there, Reece James and Fakaya Tamora. I think the two of them were excellent. Them, although. You can see the two in the second half yesterday. I thought that Tamori did a fairly good job when he came on. And I'd, I'd really like to see more of him in the, in the team because he started off last season kind of himself and Zuma as first-trace centre-backs. So and I thought Tamori was excellent. And Reece James, I really think that this season, he's going to nail down the right-back spot as his own. And then going forward, you've got Mason Mount, who I think, great young player, great debut season in the league. I wasn't 100% sure when he first started. And yeah, I mean, he had a fantastic season. And then you got Tammy up front, too. Now, Tommy's a stranger. We started off the season fairly well. I think he had like 13 or 14 goals before Chris's, but he seemed to cool off a bit. So, I mean, he's still a young lad. I think he'll do well. But, yeah, I've been really impressed with you in the team so far. Yeah, certainly.
0: I mean, I, I think Mason Mount particularly caught my eye, and I, I think some of your, your new signings, who we'll, we'll get on to in a minute, will will have to do well to, to dislodge him from the team because he's he's really mm-hmm. made that, that attack in midfield role his own um but speaking of new signings it, it would be an understatement to say it's been a busy transfer window for chelsea six new faces have come in the door so far hakam zayed joined from ajax after his release clause was activated reported liverpool target timo werner joined from morbi leipzig veteran center half tiago silva was signed on a free transfer from psg Milan Sar also joined on a free transfer from ogc nice And Ben Chilwell was signed from Leicester. And it doesn't seem that the club are quite done yet, with goalkeeper Edouard Mendy reportedly on the verge of joining from Ron. And a defensive midfielder apparently in their sights as well. Obviously, all these new arrivals have your fan base excited and have lifted expectations for the season but do you feel that with so many new arrivals many of which are younger players arriving from other leagues that a degree of patience is needed what do you feel the aim for the coming season is given the notable expenditure
2: i think the aim for the coming season is it's kind of a strange one because if you spend over 200 million in the transfer window you know straight away you think you have to challenge for the league title but as we've seen the past couple of seasons, especially, uh, particularly in the 2019 when your sales finished second on, I think it was like 97 points. Like the standard of points you need to get, the amount of points you need to get to win the league increases every season. So it, we do have to take a bit of patience. We've seen Havertz struggle in the first couple of games. It does take a while for people to settle, but. If you are going to mount the title challenge, like you probably should, have to spend a two hundred million, there's no room kind of for that kind of patience. You know, you could get the squad set in November, but by then somebody could be about twenty points clear of you, as we've seen in the past couple of seasons. So, I mean, I am excited by the players, particularly Hakim zies I saw him for Ajax last year. I was at the game at Stamford Bridge when I finished four on, and I thought phenomenal player. So it was a force that he's injured to start the season off, but I can't wait to see him go. I mean, Verner looks pretty sharp as well, and I think it. Is an exciting prospect for us because you know it's the first time in a long time. It's almost as if Abramovich is his first couple of seasons again. We were just throwing around money for fun. Like I've I've come on here in the past and talked about you know it's a frustrating win that we go for players we don't get, but this is the first time in ages I remember we've had a win that were basically any player we've been linked with we've just got out and we've got. So I mean it's a it's a really exciting time and it's it's quite bewildering I suppose after the ban that we had last year. Yeah, I
0: mean, on that note, do you, do you feel that maybe the the current economic climate that is affecting other teams has, has somewhat benefited Chelsea in the way that you know they they seem to have those funds available from Abramovich and they can go out and have a almost a free run at certain targets such as Timo Werner, who obviously Liverpool were interested in but
2: seemingly couldn't afford given the the financial limits. Yeah, I think it's really benefited us because. Another thing as well, we had the two transfer winners where we didn't spend any money. But last summer, when we sold Hazard, I think it was for like 140 million or something like that with add-ons, and including the add-ons even then, we signed Werner, Havertz, and Ziyech for a combined fee of about 150 million. So, I mean, already there, you've only spent an excess of 10 million on those three players. So, it's worked out quite well. It's uh, It's been the two winners where we were able to kind of save money. And then the fact that we didn't spend the Hazard money, it's kind of, it's all come in fruition now in the sense that we have basically free range or whoever that we want
0: yeah it certainly seems that way um but Chelsea fortunately for for Liverpool aren't the only team that have been spending lately last week I spoke to Guy about how the transfer window seemed to be proving a frustration for our fan base no real moves has been made since the signing of Costa Simikas, and we seem to be involved in one of the dreaded transfer sagas that have often ruined our summers. So, I, I think this is the best point to bring in our Liverpool fans. So, good evening, Stephen. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you, especially after the start of the season.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not been too bad, and it's it's obviously gotten better over the past few few days. So as I was touching on there, um, it, it had been a, a somewhat of a frustrating time for us in the window, but what a difference that we can make. In the space of 48 hours over the weekend, the club agreed a deal for Thiago Alcantara for a reported £25 million, sold Kiana Hover to Wolves for a reported £13 million, and brought Jota the other way for a reported £45 million. Were you beginning to worry about the lack of business, Stephen, and what are your overall thoughts on the recent deals?
1: I mean, Klopp said right at the start of the window that if anything happens, it will happen late. And if the right players are available, that he'll go for them. Um, So I I wasn't worried. We've been linked to lots of players. We've had some slightly more realistic journalists, shall we say, not denying things for the first time in a long time. Um, If you think of people like James Pearce, who who loves to give bad news, at no point did he say that Tiago wouldn't happen. And then the Jota thing felt a little bit like Fabino. It just came out and happened. It was done and dusted in a day. The same with um, Costas Miscus, You know, it was reasonably quick turnaround. So I wasn't particularly worried. It just felt like it will happen when Michael Edwards and his magical laptop can take advantage of another club situation, which is what's happened in reality. And um, you know, we've addressed we've addressed left back. No more James Milner at left back, in the new you know, Costas look he looks like a pretty quick player, looks like a confident player, be good to see more of him. Tiago is world class, looks world class, came on the pitch and after about thirty seconds proved that he was the best midfielder in the squad. And Jota looks like an exciting player. Um I think it was Sam Teague tweeted one of his lovely little videos and heat maps of all of his goals shortly afterwards and they're all pretty much at the back post from the left. So he's got a get bucket loads the way we play so i think they're all really good signings i think they all feel a need and i think they're all realistic for what we need and yeah i think it's an exciting season to be coming in as champions strengthening positions we needed and bringing in one really high-end world-class player
0: yeah, certainly agreed that I, I think it's it's clear the lift that Tiago has given the the fan base, and he's likely have given somewhat of a similar lift to the to the team as well, and that that's always a welcome sight. And I think, like, as you touched on, the the Jota signing seemed to, to come out of nowhere. I mean, we we had been linked with Ismail Assar in recent weeks, and you know it was kind of a the talk was it's a signing that will happen if the the right fee can be agreed and we can generate the the money from sales but then jada seemed to be you know one minute he's left out of the Wolves squad and then the next day he's signing for liverpool it, it was such a, a crazy turnaround and it, it's a player I, I hadn't really thought about myself but now looking back it makes a lot of sense as you said like he the, the way he plays and also the way he's quite at home on the left that's, that's often a, a position we've struggled to, to fail with, with Origi kind of offering little more than a, a willing runner on that side
1: I think he can be a game changer as well coming on against any tired defence whether it's with 10 minutes to go or 30 minutes to go because coming from Wolves he's coming from a well-drilled hard-working team he's reasonably quick i think i read that he's supposed to be one of the quickest dribblers in the premier league so with the ball at his feet he's rapid the same as mo um, and he likes a goal and a lot of his goals are perfect goals for a forward one touch goals you know there's no point messing around just get your head or your foot through it. and he seems to just smash them into the back post And i think he i just think he complements the way we play it allows us to have more freedom with our formations it means mo can play on the right or through the middle Sadio can play on the left, can play on the right. Firmino can play as a or up front. Um, Minamino can play all across those positions. But he gives us another reasonably quick, positionally intelligent, hard-working forward. And someone who's going to be happy to be fourth choice and to be fighting for his place. He's already come out to say how excited he is. Whereas I think, had we gone for someone like Timo Werner, who looks a very good play for Chelsea so far, but at the salary he's on, reportedly and his stature currently in the game i don't think he'd have been happy trying to force his way into the front three i think he'd have expected to start and i don't know who would have dropped stopped you know who'd have been dropped out for him Whereas i think jota's coming in knowing that he's going to get games and if he performs he'll get games but i don't think he's silly enough to think he's going to be getting picked ahead of sadio or too often
0: yeah, that, that is certainly a good thing um, to have, you know, players who's hungry, but at the same time isn't going to sulk about not being in the, the starting 11. And that, that is really important when you have a front three as, as potent as, as Liverpool's. Yeah. Now, as I said, it wasn't just the two new players coming in. We also seen key Yana leaves the other way to Wolves. And, and that kind of came like itself out of left field. He wasn't really a name that was been linked to the move. Were you disappointed to lose him?
1: I mean, yes and now I think he looks like a really good young player. But he he obviously was third choice at right back. Um, I know he looked good in pre-season friendlies. But, you know, Neko, he helps us get our eight homegrown players. He's quick. He's hard working. He wants to be a Liverpool player. Um so I think he was realistically going to be third choice right back this season. And, I, you know, he was going to be right down the pecking order at centre-back. Um, it's a really hard position to play as a youngster. You know, look at look at Joe Gomez. He's a fantastic player, but he still needs time to become a centre-half. And I think he's going to be getting a lot more games at Wolves playing on the right of a back three than he would have been doing playing as a right-sided centre-back for us. So I think it's a really good move for for kiana i think he'll get a lot of games i think he'll do really well he's obviously got the discipline to, to play under Wolf's system because of the fact that klopp's rated this all way through and hopefully there is a nice little buyback clause or there is something in there that if he performs we can bring him back um who knows so i wish him well i think he's a really good exciting young player but i don't think he's as good as players we have and he needs to play
0: yeah, I'd certainly echo what you've said there. He's he's definitely a talent, but given his position in the the squad, it was too good an offer to turn down, really.
1: Yeah, and if if he stayed too long, he'd have become another Martin Kelly. Is he a right back? Is he a centre back? Are oh, we suddenly 23 and going to Palace? I think it's a sensible move for him. And look, if he does well, he'll a, a big club, whether it's us or somebody else, will come in for him. And Wolves are happy to buy and buy low and sell high.
0: Yeah, certainly we've we've seen that with kind of their their business so far this summer. So uh, I think it's a, an excellent move for him, and obviously we we wish him all the best. Um, but let's move on from transfers and and get into the match. But before we get in in there, we'll we'll discuss the starting 11s, and I'll start with Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea lined up in a 4-4-2 of sorts off the ball, switching to a 4-4 or sorry 4-3-3 while on it. Kepa between the sticks. James, Christiansen, Zuma and Alonso making up the back four, Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic and Mount in midfield, and new boys Havertz and Werner leading the line. New signings Silva, Chilwell and Zajic were still sidelined through fitness issues, as was Pulisic. Rudiger was set to be included on the bench, but appeared to have an issue so was pulled from the squad. Was this how you expected to line up, Alex, given your injuries? Was there any surprises for you?
2: To be honest, um, I was talking before the game. I really expected us to go with a back three. I kind of I saw us use the back three last season, kind of good effect against, I suppose, a tougher opposition. I thought, given the actual injuries that we had, like the fact that you know we didn't have, I suppose, any natural for one of a better word, wingers up the top. I thought that a back three would have worked. We would have had the wing backs, I think, creating a bit more width. I always say that Alonso is a lot more effective as a wing back than as a full back, but um. Look, I mean, I really thought that that would have been a better option, providing the width there. But it seemed that, yeah, we were defensive. We shot Liverpool, so we had to be defensively put so much of the ball. But it seemed that when we were attacking, the only outlet was Timo Werner. So, like, every time we got the ball to attack, it was give the ball to Werner. But Fabinho, picked man, on, I mean, and really did a number on Werner. He did a very good job of him for 90 minutes. And then it was a case of, yeah, I mean, I am um, I think with Pulisic was a big loss there because at least Pulisic gives you a kind of a couple of options. I think himself and Werner would be a very good link up there. And yeah, like I mean the lineup was I suppose is the best Frank could do with the injuries. I personally thought he was gonna to go to back three, but given I suppose the players I missed out, it was the best lineup he could have went with.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean it's it's a notable injury list. I mean we if you're talking five players injured any five players, it's it's notable, let alone that some of the big names I mentioned there. So uh, I suppose he he was he did the best with, with what he had at his disposal. Um, we'll we'll move on to the Liverpool eleven. Uh, Liverpool were forced to make one change from the side that beat Leeds United on the opening day. Both Gomez and Matab had picked up injuries during the week, so Fabinho was drafted in to step in alongside Van Dijk. New signing Thiago was given a spot on the bench. Team in full, Allison, Trent, Fabinho, Van Dijk, Robbo, Henderson, Keita, Gini, Salah, Firmino, Mane. Were you concerned when you realised Fabinho would be starting in defence, Steve? Also, were you surprised to see Thiago included in the squad, given how, how little time he'd had with the team? And were there any other surprises for you?
1: No, I mean, once I realised Matip and Gomez were out, wasn't surprised to see Fabino there, and I wasn't particularly worried. Um, he's such an assured, sensible player, and I felt like we'd probably have quite a lot of the ball against that particular Chelsea lineup. Um, it felt like they lacked a bit of width. Uh, Havertz and i have got a lot of adapting to do. Um, probably in the minority, but I don't really rate. Mason Mount all that much I think he was great at Derby I think he's average in the Premier League so I kind of felt like we'd have a good amount of possession and to me Fabinho has got the physicality to play at centre half he was playing alongside Van Dijk um, and his passing range I thought would be useful to us he wouldn't do anything stupid and the way we like to step up to win the ball back and we play a very high line I knew that as a you know, as a defensive midfielder, he'd be able to pick the ball up. But I also knew that he had the pace to get back if we needed it. So I wasn't particularly worried. Um, also, seeing Hendo back as a six was a relief in a lot of ways. Obviously, I feel like he's probably the second or third choice player to play that position now. But when he plays as a mate, I find he gets in... It feels like he gets in Trent's way and he limits Trent because they want to take up similar positions. So... Seeing him back as a six in front of that in front of that back four, and again with that Chelsea midfield, I wasn't too worried. My concern with Hendo was how many minutes we would get, and with Tiago on the bench, I was I was hopeful that they would be they would play half each, and that's obviously what happens. And obviously the rest of the team picks itself. Ginny is an unsung hero. Kater was fantastic at the end of the season last year, and I really think that if he can get a run of fitness and a run of games we'll start to see the benefit of the player he is. And I, and I do think he's going to really compliment Thiago. And I think he'll also compliment players like Jota when they're on the pitch. So, and, you know, the front three the front three picks themselves, right? Unless somebody's injured, or we sign Mbappe, which is apparently going to be in the tomorrow. tomorrow. Um, no one's getting in, in front of that front three. So the, the team didn't particularly surprise me. I was pleased to see Thiago on the bench. And I was pleased to see Minamino getting back on the pitch for a few minutes here and there. Um, and it's kind of the experience. It's kind of the, the lineup and the way we played was what I expected. I think because Chelsea didn't play with a lot of width, did you? You played a lot of centrally minded players.
0: Yeah, I suppose it, as Alex touched on, you know, he he expected maybe the wing backs, but without the the wing backs with the back four, they they were a lot very narrow, which I, I think almost suited the the way we had set up, and obviously that that was telling in, in how the the game went. Um, but we'll we'll get into the match now and and how it played out. Uh, the first half started as it meant to go on, a cagey affair. Chelsea appeared to be setting up with the intention of maintaining their shape and trying to frustrate the visitors. Alex, do you feel the respect shown was a result of lessons learned from the last encounter between the teams in which they perhaps naively attempted to go toe to toe at Anfield?
2: Yeah, I think it was a fairly like it was a lot of respect shown there. We obviously, we, we were the back defending a lot with the ball, which I suppose you had so much of the ball and <laughs> we had to defend given the shape. I think, yeah, there was a lot of respect, and You could definitely see, as I said earlier, like, Lampard's game plan was, you know, kind of contain, contain, then ball over the top, trying to get fair and thrown onto something. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, I suppose it was, it was all they could do at the time. I thought at times they were a bit maybe, you know, they were a bit maybe too passive. Like, there were certain points where I would, you know, the midfield was on the ball, but they were passing it back to the defense or passing around the defence to the goalkeeper. I was like, come on, like, try and be a bit more positive. So, obviously, Liverpool, like, they're the best team in England. That's whether the champions they deserve respect. But, I thought that it was cautious, but sometimes it was almost too cautious. Like, you know, they weren't willing to take a risk in terms of, you know, they were worried that they would lose the ball and they'd be kind of suffering as a result of that.
0: Yeah, certainly it seemed Werner was a little isolated in the the few sites of attack that, that Chelsea had. So I can certainly see where you're coming from on that. Now, there were a couple of kind of half half chances let's say for the for Kante and Salah early on but nothing really came of them but on 14 minutes Liverpool finally got a proper side of goal when an attempted clearance ricocheted off Henderson and found Salah on the right he put it towards the near post where Firmino attempted to finish but his shot was blocked off the line by Christiansen. Steve were you frustrated with how much we were being limited in the final third
1: no, I've 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 learned to be patient with this team. Um, we've scored so many goals in the last fifteen minutes of games. So I just felt like if we just kept kept our shape, kept prodding, kept poking, I didn't feel like the Chelsea team was, apart from maybe hitting us on the break, showed enough to to really worry me. And they they just they didn't look that they would have the legs in them to hold us back for for the whole game. So it was more a case of being. I think it was a case of being patient and just waiting to see what would happen.
0: On 19 minutes, Salah looked lively again as he drifted inside, but his shot was blocked down. Chelsea countered quickly as Kovacic brought the ball out of defence and his true ball found Werner. Fortunately, the Chelsea striker stalled his run for a split second, which allowed Fabinho and Van Dijk to get back, and Fabinho did well well to win the ball back. Steve, before the game, people were understandably worried about Fabinho contending with Werner's pace. How important was it that he passed his first test and how did that
1: contribute to the resulting performance from him? It kind of reminded me of when Fernando went to Chelsea and Aga was playing left-back just purposely to play against Torres and he just first first chance put him in his pocket and I think the mental battle was pretty much on Fabino's side from that point onwards but like, the guy used to be a right back he's six foot something he's quick he's strong I wasn't particularly worried about Werner getting in through for, for Fabino. I was more worried about if we were playing a high line and a ball over the top was played in with defenders on the back foot because he is Werner rap, is rapid but I felt like in any physical battles or fair foot, foot races, he wouldn't. He didn't really have a chance against Fabino. so I wasn't particularly con- concerned. And I just think the game carried on, you know, with Fabina dominating him the rest of the game.
0: Yeah, he certainly had a good showing, and I mean, even when Werner came off, I, I think he. he still, he just took on whoever was put in his way, it was a very commanding performance and it, it kind of fills you with confidence for the season ahead in which Fabinho might play a notable amount of games in that position given our, our lack of numbers in that area
1: Don't get me wrong, I think, I think Werner had a good game I think Werner looks like he's going to be a really good signing for Chelsea, I think he gives them what they need He's he's got the pace and the confidence and the ability, he can cut in from wide, he can play through the centre I think he's going to be a really good good signing for for Chelsea i just felt that two games into premier league football this was the time to play chelsea this one this was the time to have an experimental back four so I, I wasn't particularly concerned
0: Werner once again had a of goal on 32 minutes after a spell of possession from Chelsea resulted in a Fabinho block from an attempted pass by the forward falling kindly for him to run onto. He had Alonso as an option to his left but chose to take it on himself and his shot was wide to the right and appeared to be covered by Alisson. Alex Werner's work rate on the day was commendable and his pace was clearly a threat but was his decision making questionable at times?
2: I think when it comes to that, like you can see from that game, the game against Brighton, he looks very lively. Like he looks up for it. And as you said, his pace. And I agree with what you guys were saying there. Like the game plan was definitely try and get him in behind Liverpool. Like that was exactly my thinking, And I thought you guys would play a high line to try and get him in behind. Um, I think, though, as a striker, I mean, when you're like that, you know, you're in the country and you kind of have your head up, you're, you want to impress. He wants to get that shot away. I think, as you were saying, the mental battle as well. I think that, you know, any side he got a goal, he was going to aim for it. Alonso. You know, he was a good choice out on the left. But when you're a striker in that position, you're always going to go in and try and uh, try and take that shot on. I think.
0: Yeah, I suppose when you're you're seeking goals, when you're you're starting out at a club, it's it is you can kind of forgive those things. The home team seemed to be enjoying the best spell in the closing five minutes of the half, and had another side of goal on 43 minutes when Firmino lost possession in his own half. However, Alonso couldn't direct his header from Mounts Cross on goal, with it falling safely into Allison's hands. Allison quickly distributed the ball to Henderson, whose quick-thinking long ball in behind appeared destined for the feed of Mane when a panic-stricken Christensen hauled him down with a tackle that wouldn't look out of place at Twickenham. Initially, a yellow card was shown. However, following a VAR review, this was revised to red. Steve, this was possibly the first period in the game in which Chelsea's defence pushed up. How impressive was the ball from Henderson to take advantage of that? Also, were you surprised by the ref's initial decision?
1: I was watching it with my um, five-month-old and my four-year-old and was finding it very hard not to scream expletives when the yellow card first came out. Um, I think the referee, in in, in many respects, because VAR seems to be used used so far this season in a much better way, where he's called the foul, he's pulled the yellow card out because he knows that it's a card offence, and then he's waited for VAR, and he's waited for the opportunity to look at the monitor to make the, the decision. Whereas I feel like someone like Mike Dean quite often will just put a red out and worry about it afterwards. So I think he, you know, I think he made the right decision, even though it was frustrating to begin with. Um the pass from Hendo was delightful. And I think Hendo always, always works hard. And he's a pest and he's a really important character in the dressing room and a really important play for us. But I do feel like it was probably the one thing he did that was worthwhile in the match was that pass. But it was a cracking pass, and it's the kind of thing he does try and do. And he's got to prove a point now, hasn't he? Because Thiago is going to do those with his eyes closed to in, into that front four. But as soon as 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 soon as that ball went over the top and I saw Mane away, in my head I knew we were going to get a goal, a red card or a penalty. There was just the way he was going. You could see Christian was in, instantly struggling. And something was gonna go our way somehow. Yeah, certainly. I
0: mean I, I, I felt if Christensen didn't fail him, Kepa likely would have. So it, it did seem destined for for some good result to, to Liverpool, be that either a goal or, or a red card. Um Alex, what's your take on the decision? Frank Lampard didn't seem convinced.
2: Well, to be honest now, when I first saw the yellow card, I mean, even me, a diehard Chelsea fan, I saw it again. And I said, That's a red. <laughs> like, um, a friend of mine I was talking to about it said, That's a sin bin if you play a rugby match. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a real mess of like, it was kind of for all our good work in the first half, it was a, one ball off, not well be a great ball. But I think Kepa didn't help the situation. He kind of came out, and he was a no man's land. You could see from the replay, had Christian not brought Manny down. He was clearly getting to the ball first taking around Kepa. So I think that was a combination of man. It was faster. Christian was going to keep up, but the panic is in the goalkeeper. He, he lost his head and he brought him down. It was it was a stupid foul to make. I mean, you'd rather well I'd rather I'd rather just let Manna get the ball. Like don't bring him down. Stop him if you can't Ferdy. but if he takes water the, the keeper and scores, you're one 0 down. But I'd much rather go into the second half, one 0 down with eleven men than nil out with ten men.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly when you, you consider the, the last match where Chelsea were able to make a couple changes and, and execute a bit of a, a fight back, but that's a, a lot more <laughs> difficult when you're you're down a man. So I certainly see where you're coming
2: from with that. Back when we were so under the caution that first half as well, as soon as I saw the man off, I was like, well, look, it was difficult with eleven trying to defend us, but I was like, it's, it's virtually impossible now <laughs> with the man missing now.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, the focus for Chelsea seemed to be keeping that shape, and it's it's very difficult to, to keep it when you're you're a man down. So it, the the game plan was almost out the window at that point. Um, now that kind of closed out the the first half because Trent did nothing from the resulting free kick um halftime seen changes for both sides chelsea sacrificed havertz in order to bring Tomori on to fill the sudden hole in defense while liverpool brought on new man tiago to replace their skipper who had felt a tight tie steve chelsea had obviously defended deep in the first half and were likely to be even deeper being a man down was this the kind of situation tiago was brought in
1: for what did you make of his performance Thiago was instantly class on the ball wasn't he um, I, I know I know he gave away the penalty which was rush of blood to the head, but generally he just picked up the ball, made intelligent passes, whether it was getting the ball from the full back and playing it back to the full back in space or looking to play the ball in behind. But even playing triangles with Ginny and Cater and Milner when he came on, he just constantly played intelligent passes. But also, you know, once Barney gets the second goal, which I'm sure we'll come on to, we slow the game right down. And he just controls the tempo. He stops anything silly. He's not giving Chelsea an opportunity to get in behind. He's winning the ball back on the edge of their box, giving away fouls on the edge of their box, but slowing the game down. He just looked an absolute class player. And apart from Fabino, it's been a long time since we've had someone of that level of intelligence in the midfield I mean probably since Shabby Alonso to be honest. So um it was an assured performance, especially, you know, he's been there two days. Yeah, it was And good. the fact he's shouting, Go Robbo, go, I mean, you've gotta love that.
0: Yeah, no, it, I I've seen that and it, it is nice to see that he's already fitting in with the, the lads and you know, as I say, if that's that's the debut after one training session, you know, what's what's to come in the in the season to come. He he does simply Seemed to be an absolute class act. Um, Now, Liverpool obviously had a man advantage, and they, they certainly put that to use, turning the screw. And you know, they they played some really nice football from the the start of the the second half Um, I think Gary Neville at one point said it almost reminded him of of a five-a-side football with how Liverpool were knocking the ball around and it didn't take long for the visitors to take advantage when on 50 minutes a one-two between Firmino and Trent resulted in Firmino getting in behind on the right. Firmino puts a cross in and it meets the head of Sadio Mane.
1: Yes I was watching that when the ball gets played back into Firmino I was really confused whether it was Firmino or Trent and I don't have the world's biggest TV so I was too busy concentrating on trying to work out who played the crossing to <laughs> my fancy football points that by time Marnay's scored I was cheering but my brain was too busy worrying about the completely wrong thing because my fancy football team was not doing well this weekend well, look Mane's a little gem in the air isn't he
0: yeah, he's. I mean, he's. He's like a flea. <laughs> he can. He can jump some. Some height for a size.
1: Yeah, there's another good guy. Go. Just and it's just a really well worked goal by. You know, typically by our forward line. You know, Firmino might not get the. Well, he obviously gets the from our fans, and he may not get as many goals as we would like. But he constantly does intelligent things. You know, he plays the one-two for the cross. He's had the ball before he's even got into the box and it's a delightful ball
0: in yeah I, I think Firmino you know I, I talked last week with Guy that maybe his performance last week was somewhat questionable but, uh, but I think this was certainly much improved I mean he was unlucky himself not to score in the first half when Christensen cleared the ball off the line and obviously he then came up with the assist for this goal so it's, it's nice to see
1: him showing some form again yeah and I, and I feel like all through all of our front three have come into the season with all looking ready to perform score goals mo looks like he's in front of a 30 40 50 goal season Mane looks like he's ready just to tear everybody apart so and i think the fact we've got another player coming in is going to up the impetus of how they perform so i think it's an i think i think we're in for an exciting season i just think mo's performance as well was probably quite underrated I know he didn't get his goal today, but he was involved in so many things.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, he looked a, a dangerous, as we were talking about earlier. He looked very lively in the first half. Whenever Liverpool got a, a side of goal, he, he did seem to be involved. So it's it's certainly a great sign for things to come. Um, Alex, yeah. should Reese James have been tighter to Mane on the goal, or is that clutching at straws given the man deficit?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I was watching that, what? like, first of all, the one-two between Alexander Ireland and Firminian, like, I did see that, and I thought to myself, look, they've really kind of done Alonso here, they've been kind of too quick and too intelligent, like, I mean, Alonso, he he, he was a completely out of position for that goal, and he turns like a bus, <laughs> and <laughs> there's no two ways around it. but yeah, the ball in, I mean, it was great header by my man. like, he got up well, and he really finished it fantastically, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, you know, you I think it was two or three Chelsea players in the box and Reese James, he needs to be tighter. He needs to watch the run of He see where he's going. Like take the way from the head a great finish, but I do think from a Chelsea point of view, Reese James should have been a bit tighter and kind of watched run a bit better. Because I mean, as much as Manai jumps well like Reese James, he's a bigger lad.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. I mean I, I did I only actually noticed that myself today when when watching the extended highlights again and, and take notes that Rhys James, maybe if he's a couple of yards tighter, he, he at least makes it a lot harder for, for Mane. But, you know, it was a, a quick, well-taken move from from Liverpool and, and Mane did do well to, to get up on it four minutes later it was a familiar sight for Chelsea fans with goalkeeper Kepa passing the ball directly to a pressing Sadio Mane who made no mistake placing it in the bottom corner Steve last week was the most Salah show so inevitably this was the week for Sadio
1: that was the most Sadio goal he could score wasn't it like he loves to press he loves to pressure he loves to get in the face of the opposition and he looked like a kid who's just walked out of a toy shop with the ball landed at his feet. Um, and I, I would say I feel for Kepper because his head's gone. Poor guy's mentality is shot. But I don't because he's a Chelsea player. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. I look, just, just, just all, all game. Mane looked like he was going, he was going to score. Um, as I said, Mo was fantastic, and was involved in so many things. But it was just, it was just one of those games. About twenty minutes in, where. Uh, I do wish I'd swapped Mo for Marley in my fancy football team because just, he just—he looked like today was his day, and it was—and I'm surprised he didn't pick up his hat trick. Uh, he was just such a typical—I mean, there were two typical goals from him, right? Clever movement for for the cross to nod in a fairly easy finish for the first goal, and just force—well, did he force Kepper into the mistake, or did, was he just running into the right place as Kepper did something stupid? But either way, maybe. Yeah, I don't know what you thought of that, Alex. But either way, it was a the kind of thing you expect Sadio to do.
2: Mm.
1: It was the most. I mean, I think I think even Sash McCrani said it was the most Sadio goal we'll see all season.
2: Yeah, like I mean, he did well the follow win. You could see he gave the ball when he was annoyed, so we chased it up. But I mean. Ah uh, like kepa it's it's one of he takes far too long to clear that ball and the pass he plays like he, rather than trying to clear it out left or even do something else you see he kind of plays a not think it, very nonchalant pedestrian pass forward, which Manny intercepts very well and finishes but i mean I've watched like I mentioned earlier I've watched Chelsea play the ball across the back a lot Kepa, he, he takes his time with this, and I've always said one of these days he's going to get caught out with it. It just so happened it was against Manny in that game, but I mean, look in terms of Kepa it's just what can I say it's just not worth out for him like he's our most expensive goalkeeper ever and then it's just the case of it just it hasn't worked out it was confident this shot but to be honest with you like normally I try and support a Chelsea player and say this and that but ever since that League Cup final thing with Sari, I'm just like I I can't respect the guy yeah I
0: mean what what has happened with with Kepa? because he was a very he's a, he is a talented goalkeeper and I mean I I, I, I draw some parallels to Carrius for for Liverpool who who I also still feel is a talented goalkeeper but I, I just think that you know may, maybe when you make a, one or two big mistakes or you make kind of a collection of small mistakes and the the fans get on your back and especially with the modern game with with social media there, there's a lot of Pressure on players, and particularly on, you know, when you're a younger player like like Kepa is. Do Do you feel maybe that's that's played a, a part in it? You know, ra-
2: rather than it just being down to to a lack of ability. Well, he is a young player. Like he's only I, mean, I think 24, 25 now. And confidence is a big thing, and obviously, when you're a goalkeeper, you know, any mistake you make is going to be under a microscope. But I mean. I agree with you, he does make a couple of good saves here, and then he clearly has some good technique. But if you look at the statistics, like, you know, they showed it on Sky Sports, 19 goals considered from outside the box in the past two seasons, you know, the worst save percentage of any goalkeeper in the Premier League. So whatever about confidence, and I know he has some ability, but when you see those numbers, that they are fairly worrying for a 70 million rate of goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, certainly. And I mean, on that note, how massive is it that you've seemingly gotten a new keeper in?
2: I think it's important. Like, I mean, I don't know much about Edward Mendy. Like, I've heard good things about Petr Cech. He's kind of recommended him for Ron, which can only be a good thing, where we signed him from. So, I mean, far as <laughs> risk get risk, I always say anything's an improvement on Keppa, But um, hopefully, um, like, look, I really hope it's a goalkeeper that we need. He seems like a young lad, and hopefully he can do well. And I really think that's another thing with Keppa. Like, when I saw him playing yesterday, I was thinking it's a mistake straight off the bat because, you know, He's a goalkeeper. He knows he's not gonna be the number one when this fella comes in. And also he doesn't I suppose know where his future lies with Chelsea if this is the end for him, if he's out the door and Caballero and Mendy are the new options. He doesn't know. So you gotta take that factor in as well. His head's probably all over the place thinking is this my last game for Chelsea? And then stuff that he's had to do on there really doesn't help his case.
0: Yeah, certainly. So I mean before the game you said to me that you you would you would have started Caballero. Yeah, I, I would you, you weren't proven wrong on that.
2: Mm hmm like, I mean, there was a period last season where, like, Cabiara came in. Like, I like Caballero; He's been a good goalkeeper throughout the year, especially on for penalties and stuff. But, I mean, he's 38 years old. I mean, you know, if you look at the top teams in the world, you know, you've got yourselves with Alisson between the sticks, you know, you've got Munich with Neuer between the sticks. Like, then as soon as you see kind of Chelsea with, you know, Caballero between the six you're thinking alright that's the old Man City backup keeper no I like Caballero but he's not what you think when you think you know top goalkeeper you need as you guys have proven when you went from Carrier Allison, that top goalkeeper really takes you to the next level
0: But moving on with the match the the first 20 minutes of the second half saw liverpool casually popping the ball around as if it was a training session perhaps a little more urgency might have seen more goals as chelsea appeared to be there for the taking i mean in in that period steve were you you desperate for for liverpool to get the third goal and put it to bed or or again were you still feeling patient and, and confident that we'd see it through
1: I mean, I don't see any point with these club teams in clamouring for five, six, seven goals the way City go for people. It seems to me that once we feel we've got the game under control and we've won the game, we slow the pace of the game down. You know, people's people aren't sprinting as much. They're not putting themselves into positions where they could make a mistake or pick up an injury. It feels like we manage games and it's something Liverpool haven't done for 30 years. Right, apart from last season, so I've become quite a pragmatic Liverpool fan. You know, from really excited about the heavy metal football to I really I I loved the mad Leeds game a couple of weeks ago and the Dortmund game and a few seasons ago and the game against Barcelona. I love all those mad games, but I've come to you know I've come to accept that when we feel we're in control, we're up against ten men. Chelsea weren't particularly worrying us, so. Let's just slow the game down, keep the ball, keep cycling it, wait for them to make a mistake. Because that's where our goals came from, was effectively mistakes, you know, from Alonso and Kepper. So though I would have loved to see us go for the throw, it never looked like we were going to, so there's no point holding out for it with this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen some people um, ex- kind of describe it as almost like an Arrogant winning performance by by Liverpool, and you can certainly see where where they're coming from. It was almost like they they didn't need to be in top gear to see this result out.
1: Yeah, and look, we're we're playing one of our key players out of position, and he's having a very good game. We're bringing in Thiago for his first game. We're bringing in Minamino in for a few more minutes. There's, I think, sometimes you just got to manage the game, right? You just gotta accept the result and had Chelsea scored, I think you would have seen us up the tempo again, but they didn't, so we didn't need to.
0: Yeah, I mean why why waste energy when you don't need to at the end of the day? I think it you could you can put it that simply really. Um a chain saw Milner on for Keita and the visitors dropped their tempo notably. This release in pressure allowed Chelsea to get a side of goal on 67 minutes, when a nice passage of play resulted in a shot from Mount going just over. On 73 minutes, another long ball to Werner found him in a good position. He drifted into the box apace and appeared to be felled by Thiago with the referee pointing to the spot. On second look, it appeared that Thiago had pulled back and Werner had exaggerated contact somewhat. Fortunately for the visitors, Allison was able to save the resulting penalty from Jorginho. Alex, the Jorginho special has finally found out. Is this the moment where you accept it simply wasn't your day?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a strange one, although Jorginho hadn't... Like, that was his first penalty miss for Chelsea. When he stepped up, which I had a weird feeling, I was like, you know... There was no kind of, all right, buzz, but, you normally know, get with a penalty, it was kind of like, all right, a penalty. And I just, I never felt confident he would finish for some reason, despite the fact that he hadn't scored before. I just didn't feel confident. And then as soon as Adelton saves it, I'm just looking, as you say, going, look, this, this just isn't going to happen. Like even a 2-1, you never know what's going to happen. You know, if we had to gotten the go back. I am like, all right, look, let's see how this plays out. But as soon as that's missed, you're like, well, look, I mean, if we can't score this, then it's just, you know, <laughs> as you said, it's just not going to be our day.
0: I can certainly see where you're coming from there. And, I mean, was it a penalty for
2: you? I think it was. Like, I mean, I think there was a slight contact. I don't know whether he went down or whether it was enough to not come out of balance, but I suppose the referee had a look, the VAR had a look, and they seemed so might, I thought I might have been a bit slight contact myself. So, yeah, look, I think it was a penalty. I mean, it, it's one of those – it can go either way sometimes.
0: And Steve – Finally, Alisson saves a penalty. How important is that for a keeper that appeared to be a little off colour of late?
1: Do you know what? As silly as it sounds, because it was our new superstar making the foul, because the commentators could not stop talking about how Jorginho hasn't missed a penalty and how good he is at penalties, and he's a brilliant penalty taker, I kind of just sat back in my sofa. I literally turned to my kids and went, he's saving this. It was just one of those really weird moments where i just it it just felt like it was this was the penalty he was going to save, and yes, he definitely needed it but he's he's such a beast, he's so confident you give him half an inch and he's taking a mile so and I particularly enjoyed how um the commentators were, ma- were were making sure that his feet were on the line after the hair.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the the world we live in now with with football, where you know you you can't celebrate a a penalty save until you make sure your keeper's feet are on the line. Um, it, it is a strange one, but they hit those feet were most definitely on the the line. And, and sticking with Allison, I mean, um, on 84 minutes, you know, our, there was a rare Chelsea counter after Liverpool had once again taken charge of the match. And substitute Tammy Abraham found himself in a promising position, but his shot was well saved by Allison and he just seemed reinvigorated watching him make that save. Like the, the the penalty just seemed to have made all the difference for him.
1: Yeah, he looked like his big, beautiful self again, didn't he? And even the save, the ball dropped to one of our defenders to smash it clear rather than into the path of a Chelsea player, which is what would have happened to Carrius or Mix or Rayner or basically everybody since about Grubbler. Um yeah I think he you know after that penalty save he was out nothing was getting past him that man loves clean sheets he's getting 20 clean sheets this year and there's a I think there's a few more penalty saves coming from him
0: Hopefully I would hope that's the the first of many. And speaking of keepers, Kepa redeemed himself somewhat in stoppage time with saves from a long range Mane shot which deflected wickedly off Samori and a Salah shot after nice work from Mane on the left. I mean Alex we, we talked about how he, you know he clearly has talent there and I mean when you see him pull off shots like that that save from Mane particularly you know, is there frustration there knowing that he has it in him but it's just not
2: quite worked out? Yeah, there is that frustration because like he he does have one or two good saves in the locker. Like I thought they were a couple of decent saves toward the end, but I mean I mean, they weren't, I suppose, like, you know, world world classes. They were good saves, you know, say that you'd expect, I suppose, the top keeper to make but after that howler for the second goal, you look and you go, Yeah, look, they're good saves, but I mean, it's it's not really much of a redemption, I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's He's, kind of- I mean, that's where he's good, though, isn't it? His reaction saves are still good. It's just his brain. It's, like yeah. he has to think, it's when he has to think.
2: Exactly. Like when he's, I've never seen a keeper so bad. Like There was an incident in the first half, I think it was, where there was a ball. I can't remember one of your lads crossed it from the right-hand side. It was a simple cross. He seemed to be going grand to catch it. And he, he kind of punched it out to Manny on the left. And I was shouting to the top, just catch it.
1: Yeah. He didn't live for him in you lay.
2: Absolutely. So it, it's crazy when you see it like that, like the amount of time you see him come out, like and, and the flap of it with crosses and corners and missed. And like, I mean, I think we were, we could see that the second most or third most goals and corner kicks in the league last season, which was crazy.
1: First half, though, in corners and crosses, he seemed to be coming quite physically dominantly towards the ball. But again, hmm. those are reaction situations, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they are. And I think. You put it perfectly there. I think when he has time to think about it, it's almost like he panics. Like, it's like when you see a striker, something, he's talking about strikers with instincts, or, you know, he misses a shot and have too much time. He's almost like the goalkeeper. I he's too much time to think about what he has to do. He seems to just panic.
1: To be fair, I was going to say, he's the goalkeeping for your up
2: Maybe he'll be at Everton now in a couple of seasons as well.
0: But obviously that brought the, the match to, to a close. <laughs> Um, some post match stats Liverpool had 61% possession to 39%, 70 in shots to 5, but just 6 on target to 3, and an XG of 1.44 to 0.96. I suppose in recent months, Steve, uh, at times. Uh, perhaps a, a criticism of Liverpool have been that they haven't been ruthless enough in front of goals and, and sometimes matches can be needlessly tight. I mean, do, do you feel that given the amount of the ball we've seen we, we, I know you talked about it that you know you, you, you don't want the side to go out you don't expect the side to go out looking for four or five, but you know would maybe three just be that, that bit nicer just, just to have that, that cushion?
1: More goals are always nicer. I want us to win 7-0 every week. I think, again, I think that's why Guy stopped putting me on pause last season, because I kept saying we're going to win the league. And every week when they asked me my prediction, I'd say five now. Um, Just because I'm pragmatic doesn't mean I want us to try and stop everybody. But you've missed, I think you've missed the two most important stats, which sum up the game. And I love these ones. Fabinho made 86 out of 89 passes. Six out of nine long passes, which means he made 80 out of 80 short to mid-range passes, which is mental from a centre-back. And Thiago broke the record for the most passes in 45 minutes of football in Premier League history. 75 passes in 45 minutes. I think those are the stats that really tell the story that we were just keeping the ball, moving the ball, just prodding and poking and just waiting for an opportunity. And I think had we needed a goal, we would have been more adventurous. We would have been playing ball over the top. We would have let Chelsea come on to us so we can get in behind or we'd have seen Trent and Robbo getting further and further up the pitch. Because once it was 2-0, Trent and Robbo weren't around the box as much as we used to. There was also an absolutely delightful ball from Thiago. I can't remember. I think it was about three quarters of the way through the second half. And it fell to the back post to Robbo, who didn't do anything with it. But having watched that santique video of of Jota, I literally my head went. That's a Jota goal waiting to happen. So I think I think depending on the players on the pitch and the situation, I think if we're going up against a, a you know, a, a West Brom or a West Ham, we'll go for the throat and go for seven. But we're playing Chelsea. The, I know you, they had injuries. I know they were down to ten men. But and I don't know we don't like them. But you have to give respect to the fact that they're a top floor team with some game-changing players on the pitch. And if we make a mistake, Ferner scores for fun. T- um, Havertz is an exciting, clever footballer. And, you know, Marcus Alonso can run down the wing and smash free kicks. So I think we just managed the game the way that we needed to. And those, I think, as I said, those two stats sum up the game for me Perfectly.
0: Yeah, you you kind of stole my thunder a bit there with that Thiago one, but it's, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up, though. It was a real, it was a really um, impressive opening performance for him, as we we discussed earlier. Um, no, it was certainly good, good man, a uh, good game management from, from Klopp, and in, in the way he had the team approach it once once we got two goals up, and you know you'd hope maybe that that energy that we kept in the tank would be unleashed on Arsenal on, on the weekend. Um, Now, Alex, it can be difficult to take positives from a game in which, you know, you you spend much of it defending and and you ultimately lose 2-0. But I think last season, you know, your defense was extremely questionable. Obviously, the goalkeeper was maybe the main culprit, but the, the back four didn't always shower themselves and and cover themselves in glory, let's say. But, I mean, it seemed a disciplined display from Chelsea up until they they went a man down. So, can you take positives from that and promising signs for the season to come?
2: Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things to take positives from. Like, it was organised at the back. I do think that we rode our luck once or twice, but I think... Three out of that back five, including that you've seen, won't be, I suppose, our main defense going forward the season. Like, obviously, we spoke about Mendy coming in, I'd imagine he takes the go- number one from Kepa. Um, I doubt Alonso's going to be starting each week. I imagine it'd be Chilwell and Thiago Silva. I imagine they be starting at the back due to his, I suppose, leadership and experience. One thing I would touch on from the back is although we could see that the two goals, I really thought that uh, Tamori. Made a good kind of change to come on. I thought he was good defensively, he read the game well, he was where he needed to be at different times. So, I mean, personally, I'd be starting him out of the Zoomers and the Christians into this world. I thought that he had a fairly good game. And I suppose, apart from that, um, our main players that impressed me were Timo, who I thought was quite good. He was really man marked by Fabinho, but when he wasn't the ball and able to, I suppose, kind of have a go at things, he looked to be quite lively. I thought Kante is always was great in midfield. He really tried to take he tried to take your whole team on at one point, I think. He picked the bottom of his own half and he just went for it. But um look, it is a 2-0 defeat by you just have to look at the stats fair 2-0 defeat as well. Liverpool on the day were a much better team. But look, I think that once we get the players in and once I suppose to starts clicking there are some positives to take, and I think they will be okay going forward against other teams. I think we have West Brom away next. Face what I saw yesterday, it's, uh, <laughs> it's difficult to take again from 2 but I think that will be okay against those type of teams, hopefully. I mean, once we get the new players integrated into the team, I think we'll be okay.
0: Yeah, it's it's not a bad recovery game to have now, West Brom. I mean, I, I think uh, they, they look like a
2: team who are destined to go back down. I'll text, you out. Now, I'll text you now after we play it and when Ivanovic scores in the ninety-four minute winner and go, never speak to me again. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And Steve, I want to ask you for your closing
0: thoughts on the match and also for your, your man of the match.
1: Man of the match has to be Fabino. He was ridiculous at centre-half. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see a lot more of that. Um, I think him and Van Dijk with The height, the pace, the intelligence, the passing. It gives us ridiculous playmaking back for when we need to rest Gomez or we have injuries or we just want to take him out of the line, right, let him develop. So he was definitely my man of the match. Then obviously Sadio, because he's won the game for us with his goals. And we all love Sadio. I was one of the many Liverpool fans when he was at Southampton going, I really don't want this guy. What's he going to do for us? And he's proven me wrong over and over and over again. I mean, the only thing that Sadio could have done better would have been to pick the ball up from Kepa. Could give Bobby a nice little cheeky wink and do a no-look finish. Because we know he loves to copy a Bobby um, celebration. And it just, it just felt like such a clop. I, I feel like this is the next evolution of Liverpool. That patient team that just waits an opportunity and will obliterate somebody and there's, I, I feel like we've got a game coming up seeing where someone's going to make some silly decision with their formation or with their players and we're going to smash them on 5-0 without even getting out of first gear but I do, I, I, I do want to give some props to Werner I think he's going to be a really good player for Chelsea I think he was probably the one player for Chelsea you could walk off the pitch and go I did alright today
2: yeah, especially that it's only a second game, I suppose, in the Premier League and, like, if you played Bundesliga it is a step up in physicality and like, I mean, had Jorginho scored the penalty we'd be talking about two assists in two games but I think that, um, he's playing well but I think next, the next couple of games he needs to get that first goal for himself
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll make a massive difference to him in, in terms of confidence and, and finding his feet in the league if he, he just gets that, that uh, goal and I yeah. mean, on in in terms of Liverpool, Steve, I hope obviously that that the the clean sheet for me was the the, the big point I mean, it's it's something that's been needed when you go on kind of towards the end of last season and then obviously the Leeds game which while exciting, you don't really want your your team to be conceding three at home to a newly promoted side, so I think that's a massive thing for confidence and hopefully we, we kick on from that and obviously we've got a tough game up next, but you know, we're well set up for it I mean, I I think that kind of closes things out as as far as the the game is concerned. So now I'm going to ask you for plugs if you have any. I'll I'll start with you, Alex. Obviously, have you got any any comedy videos or anything that you'd like to to plug?
2: Yeah, um, I just have the comedy page on Facebook. I have the very modestly named the Great Alex Byrne, which is my uh, my comedy stage name, I'm full of modesty there. But uh, yeah, look, that's me, I'm currently working on a couple of uh, projects such as like web series and different things like that. So. I mean, if you want to catch me there and uh, hear me tell a few jokes, uh, first joke I have on the page is "Kept it Ritz of Belag," but we won't go there. <laughs> and that's uh, that's the place to find me. The great Alex Burn on Facebook.
0: Perfect. Give Alex a a look on there. I can. He's a he's a funny, funny guy.
1: And Steve, any plugs from you? No, I've not had any time to write for AI for quite a while, so I will just be bugging Guy to come back on one of these sometime soon. So. Especially when we play, especially
0: when we're playing Spurs if Kev's on. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll certainly give you a holler if we get, if we get Kev on for the, the Spurs match. I'd recommend following the guys if you aren't already. You can follow Alex at AlexNowTweet. tweet, and you can follow Stephen at Stephen with a P H underscore B underscore A. So as I said, give them a follow if you aren't already. And that wraps it up from me. I'll be back to cover Arsenal next week. And in the meantime, hopefully, the Reds have a few more surprises in the transfer market. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, the lads, for joining me. And goodbye.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.